This is FactsInTheBible.com. Facts in the Bible, episode number 92, How to Have Peace. Troublesome times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric. Glad you could join us for another episode of That's in the Bible. A lot of things to talk about today, a lot of things to get to. Most importantly, we're going to be looking at how to have peace with Pastor Strobel. He's going to bring that lesson for us today. So let's check in with Pastor Strobel. Pastor Strobel, how are you doing today? Peace, by the grace of God. (laughs) Amen. (laughs) I cut you off there at the beginning. What was that you said? I said, I'm at peace by the grace of God. Amen. I'm I'm actually enjoying just sitting down and kind of swiveling back and forth in my chair right now, taking a little rest. Amen. And uh, I know we're in the middle still of this as we record this, of this COVID virus uh, pandemic. And how are things going at church there with that? Uh, They're going well. We've enjoyed being able to start up services again, albeit slowly. Uh, with a limited amount of people. Um, so far, we're going according to the guidance that we're getting, you know, with the allowance from the, the governor, which is a, a whole subject. And uh, every church is in its own situation, and everybody's praying about uh, what to do and following the Lord's leadership. That's one of the blessings about being an independent Baptist. You'd, when you take orders from headquarters, it's, you know, from the Lord. So anyway, this is what we're at right now. We're praying about how to proceed. But for the last um, three three services, which would have been Sunday morning, Sunday night, and then Wednesday night, uh, we've been able to have uh, people in there. I've been What I've been doing is scheduling people, getting uh, you know availability, and, and we schedule different folks for each service, and the folks have enjoyed being back in there, and I've enjoyed having some people in there. I mean, we got to the place, we never, whoever thought we'd get there, we had to make a reservation to go to church. <laughs> <laughs> and then... You know, with the absence of people for so long, it's like uh, 10 people in there feels like a full house. So yeah, yeah, we're enjoying it. And it's it's a blessing to be heading in the right direction and uh, be able to do so safely. Now, are you are you still recording on video the, uh, the messages? We are. We're still uh, live streaming on YouTube because everybody can't be there. And um, I think even as it opens up more, we'll... In the transitional phase, at the least, we'll continue to do that because for some people, it'll be a while before they're comfortable coming in. We do mm-hmm. have some older folks and some people that are, um, you know, caring for older people that are going to be more cautious. So, you know, I'll just try to follow the Lord's leadership as to how long to, to continue to do that. Amen. I, I do have the uh, link to your uh, streaming on YouTube on our, our website, which is that's in the Bible, all one word.com. You can see it there. Is there a, is there an easy link that you can give out right now or is, is it too? No. Un, 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 yeah. Unfortunately it's involved. It's, uh, has, you know, uh, 
basically a web address that has no rhyme or reason, random okay. letters and numbers. So the easiest way is to find the link, to or to to, to link with uh, right there on your on the website. Okay, uh, that's in the Bible.com website. After that, you know, if you go on there, the easier way to find it would be to subscribe. If you know how to do all that, mm-hmm. and you find your subscriptions that way, you can find it when you're on signed in on your uh, YouTube through Google easily. Okay. All right, sounds good. And uh, Pastor Steve there in uh, Buffalo, how are things with you and in church? And you, now you've started streaming also, right? Yes, we have. Uh, the, last week was our second uh, endeavor and uh, learning as we go and making changes as we go. And, and uh, so it's, it's uh, an endeavor, but, uh, you know, especially for somebody, you know, not as technically savvy. I mean, I had you running things over here, everything would run very smoothly, but uh, you got me. That's why I'm on this side of the microphone and, and all that equipment that you have over there in your office. So, But uh, yeah, we've, we've live streamed last week. We were going to try to have services, but there was some repairs in the church that needed to be made, and so we were not able to meet last week, Lord willing. Uh, this Sunday, we hope to have services, and and for those that have been to our place, we know they you know that we can adequately social distance at our place without any problems. And we're again, we're not that big of a congregation as it is, so uh, we're hoping by the grace of God to be able to uh, to be able to meet. I know that for most of our people, they're anxious to get back together again and and to. Uh, worship the Lord together, and we're, we're really looking forward to that. I, again, I'm going to try to figure out some way to be able to continue the live stream, such as Pastor Strobel said. There's still some people that are a little little anxious about uh, all of this. Maybe there's a, a risk that they have that uh, uh, they just don't want to jeopardize at this time, and we, we're certainly uh, sensitive to that and, and uh, really not of those uh, ilk that want to condemn people for being quote, afraid of this thing, but uh, certainly we want to make ourselves available so that uh, people can uh, hear the Word of God and, and get the spiritual uh, nourishment that they need that that's uh, just uh, absent and void, you know, from uh, what they're trying to tell us and the number of people that can come and so forth and so on. One other thing, uh, you know, I, I'm sure Pastor Strobel could probably explain it much better than I, but he and I were we're uh, at a press conference on Tuesday over here in a neighboring suburb of Buffalo uh, that uh, was basically making a statement along with one of the congressmen from New York State to uh, allow us to be able to meet with, you know, allowing us to be able to meet in our own, in our own buildings without all the uh, regimented uh guidelines that uh, the governor's given out, which is absolutely ridiculous. He's, I think Pastor Strobel mentioned that it was limited to 10 people in the, in the, in the, uh, in the building at one time, which, you know, I mean, our building, we're able to, to seat uh, between 250 and 300 people and we're renting, so it's not ours, but, but still, nonetheless, I mean, I can take the 30 people that we have and adequately social distance and just to limit us to 10 people. I think is is also, uh, you know, ridiculous as well. So some of the larger churches, they have capacities, and for them just to have ten people is is just nonsense. So, uh, you know, we were there for that rally, and and just wanted to lend our support uh, 
to allow uh, churches, as has been said, we're not breaking the law because we're able to follow the first first uh, uh, amendment. Uh, and uh, so we were there for that. And uh, so it's just been, you know, enjoying the weather, uh, enjoying family and uh, just uh, trying to serve the Lord the best we can. So praise Amen. the Lord. And uh, you also, you're streaming on YouTube, and those are also up for people to take a look at? They are. What I'll do is I'll, I'll run the link. Like Pastor Strobel said, it, it's a website there or a web address that has no rhyme or reason. But what I'll do is I'll send that over to you, and then you can put a link up. And if anybody's interested in that, they can uh, jump on that link. Uh, Brother Strobel, I finally, finally that, uh, that last week's... Uh, uh, episode or, or live stream finally came up on the website so i don't know okay. why or how but uh it came up and it's there so praise the lord for that i don't know what i did but <laughs> but it's there so praise the lord and i think for maybe some listeners that have uh you know only seen maybe a picture on the web they might be interested in checking out some of the sermons as well and i know that uh for me and i'm sure that for others that you know sometimes just uh the regular services aren't enough, so you like to check out other preachers and other preaching, and so I'm sure there'll be other people that will want to check out what you have. So I'll make sure those those links are up on the webpage under our links, and I'll put also put them in today's show notes too, so people can check it out. Number ninety two, uh, how to have peace. So they'll be able to check those as well. And Matthew up there in Alaska, what uh, are you streaming or you're back live? What's happening there? No, we're back live, and uh, services are going really good. Um, we we do have we don't have any cases here in this village of Point Hope, but a couple of the surrounding villages just in the last couple of days uh, have a case of COVID. They just sent in one of the surrounding villages. They just sent a helicopter out yesterday, and uh, you know because the villages are so small, so confined that uh, they want to test every single person that they can. So they're doing like. The one village they were in about a week ago, they did about 300, I think, COVID tests. Wow. And uh, so, and then I don't know what they did yesterday. But uh, so, yeah, but but here, you know, in Point Hope, uh, we're opened up. Uh, you know, some people are pretty nervous about that. We've got the fees coming up here in the middle of, in the middle of June. Um, so people are pretty worried because everybody's coming in, flying in, <laughs> you know, from surrounding villages. And Now, what kind of, so, feast, uh, we'll what kind of feast is that? Uh, it's a whaling feast. So, okay. um, you it's know, not, a, not a church. It's a community thing. Yeah, it's a community thing. The whole community gets together and, uh, celebrate the successful whaling feast. So they got, uh, 12 whales this year, um, bowhead whales. Um, and then they, I mean, they got a, a lot of, um, um, you know, different whales and things like that, smaller whales and things, but, uh, but 12 bowheads, huge whales. So wow. it went really well, but, you know, church has been going really good. We uh, we've had really a lot of blessings. I mean, a young lady in our church, she's uh, 20, 21 years old, just on fire for the Lord right now, and she was able to lead her younger brother to the Lord. He's 11 years old, and it was just so neat. He got saved, and then we were having a baptismal service that weekend, and so he wanted to get baptized. She got baptized also. She had never gotten baptized now that she's been saved. She got baptized in the Episcopal church. I think it was, but of course she's like, you know, that didn't mean anything. You know, it was when I was a baby and 
So that was just really neat to see. And then he got baptized with her. And then at King's Kids, our children's ministry, that next Monday, that next day, I, you know, I just said, uh, you know, anybody want to come up and just say that they've uh, received Christ as their Savior? If you remember the day, you know, come on up. So a couple of kids did, and uh, he didn't raise his hand or anything like that, and he's shy. So I figured, okay, you know, I'm not going to make him come up. And, and it was really neat when I started, you know, going on about something else. He raised his hand, and I said, oh, you want to come on up and— you know, let them know, let, let, let the rest of your kids, you know, your peers know what, what you did. And he's like, yeah. So he got up and he's like, I, I just got saved, you know, the other day. And so he was really excited. So that was a blessing. And, um, then his best friend, um, he was like saying it to, you know, the young lady Jade that led him to the Lord. It's like, I want to get saved too. And, it was so neat to hear her say to him, well, are you just, do you just want to get saved just cause he got saved or do you really believe that you need to get saved you know so that was that was a blessing to my heart hearing you know somebody that's uh you know another christian want to make sure they understand that they need to get saved not just because everybody else is doing it so yeah. so he got saved and then she was able to lead also another young girl after uh king's kids uh to the lord as well so uh she's just just in the past few weeks she's been able to lead three kids to the lord so it's just uh, she's got a renewed excitement to you know invite people here and uh to you know to our church and uh, to get saved and she's got a big you know heart for her family so this has just really encouraged her a lot so it's been a blessing and um a lot of things been going on we had uh, teen fellowship this last friday had 13 teenagers come Amen. and uh, i took a picture of them all and i was looking at that picture and i thought it just hit me that every single one of those teenagers, the 13 teenagers that were there have made a profession of faith in Christ. Amen. And it, it was just, uh, it just blows my mind, you know, it's just, um, just crazy. And, uh, we just started an Institute Bible Institute as well on Thursdays. And, um, so we had for the first time this last Thursday, we had four adults come and four teenagers come. So uh, it was a big blessing. So I'm the first hour I'm teaching uh, basic Bible doctrine. And then the other missionary brother Serino, he's, uh, he's teaching on survey of the new Testament. And, um, so just going really well, teenagers are really excited. Um, and then we had, uh, just this last Monday, we had 28 kids, uh, in our King's kids ministry. And so it's just, my prayer was that, you know, with this whole COVID thing that, uh, not being able to have ch- physical church, you know, for over a month, a month and a half, you know, that uh, kids, adults, teenagers would really get, you know, a burden to want to come back to church. And it's just, it's been an answer to prayer. So, you know, it's, you have your valleys, you have your valleys. And, and sometimes, you know, I wonder why in the world am I here? You know, they don't want me here, all that kind of stuff. But then you have times like this where it's just, you know, you see, you see some fruit, you see some excitement. And I mean, one of the teenagers that came to Bible Institute her whole family was going down to the beach and, uh, you know, it was pretty nice weather, but on the way she said, can you drop me off at the church? I want to go to Bible Institute. So, I mean, you know, just that right there where, you know, most of these kids that come to church, none of their parents come to church. So to me, that's unbelievable that teenagers and young kids will come to church when their parents won't and won't make them come. You know, a lot of them don't want their kids to come, but they come anyway. So, so anyway, I just want to, brag on the Lord on that, that, I mean, he's doing an amazing work and I thank the Lord for it. Amen. I know just the short time that I was there to, to see those number, the number of kids that came to King's kids was, was a blessing. You yeah. Know, amen. I mean, they're hearing the gospel and they're 
singing songs about Jesus and, you know, yep. thank, thank the Lord that you guys are there. Amen. I mean, I just, you know, I preached this last Kings kids with the almost 30 kids that were there. Half of them are not saved. They've never received Christ their Savior. We're getting a lot of younger kids now. Um, first graders, second graders are starting to come now. And, and, uh, so I preached a message on the Passover, a salvation message on the Passover. And, and, uh, so it's just really neat to start to see them start to understand, you know, so it's a blessing. Amen. Mr. Strobel, were you going to say something? Did I cut you off before Matt started talking? Um, no, I, I could, I, I, sure. I was just, I was just waiting. I guess I would just follow up with uh, brother Steve regarding the uh, rally that, that was at the old time Baptist church. It really was a good uh, setup. Uh, the Lord blessed it. The, it was actually an assemblyman, uh, David DiPietro who spoke and he, we, he, he spoke, pastor Guadano spoke, pastor Tim Young from uh, heritage Baptist church in Palmyra spoke as well. But uh, David DiPietro is a Christian. He went right up there well, with his Bible. This was set up outside um, they had the news crews there uh, from radio, local radio station and the local television stations. And so there's footage that wound up on both TV and radio uh, from it. And uh, when, when David D. Patriot up, he did just a, just a great job for, for the Lord, for church and, and what the rights ought to be. Um, it was, it was a blessing. I mean, it's the, um, it's been a long time since we've been in, able to be in even a, a, a group like that, indoors or outdoors, for a while. It's the furthest I think I've driven since this thing has uh, come down as well uh, to get there. But if anybody's interested in seeing or hearing any of it, I do have a little, a couple links on our YouTube page. Mm -hmm. So if you can find the links on the YouTube page, basically we have the, the banner with a picture and down to the, on the top and to the lower right of that on the top, you'll see some little icons. One of them is like a four news four logo. And that's got like a two minute story that they ran, um, in the early news hours. The other one will, will show a YouTube, uh, logo. And that's a video that somebody put together of the entire, um, rally, the entire press conference. If anybody's interested in that, I don't know how long I'll have it up there, but, um, as of today, which is, uh, getting towards the end of May here, May 28th, 2020, uh, it is up there. Okay. So if you're listening to this, go to that's in the Bible.com and look under links and you'll see a link for pastor Strobel's YouTube channel. And then you can take it from there. We also have, uh, pastor Steve's Steve Bear's YouTube channel. And Matt, do you have any YouTube channel or is it all Facebook? No, it's all Facebook. Okay, so there's nothing we can link to? No. Well, with that, before we get to that, we're going to listen to this short message. What's for breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Do you dread meal planning and shopping for groceries? Most people do, but we end up spending a lot of time and energy nourishing our bodies. How about exercising? People in our country spend thousands of hours and dollars exercising to keep their bodies healthy. Why do so many people spend no time at all feeding, nourishing, and maintaining a healthy soul and spirit, especially since there's no cost involved? Why don't they want to be sure their soul is healthy enough to get into heaven? The only way to feed and nourish the soul and spirit is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. He's the only way to a healthy soul and spirit. Amen. 
All right. So we're speaking of feeding our soul and our spirit. We do have a uh, podcast today and a lesson today, a message on how to have peace with Pastor Strobel. And uh, Pastor Strobel, you ready? Yes. All right. Here we go. Amen. As Brother Eric said, we're going to talk today about how to have peace. Uh, Peace is a prominent topic in the scriptures. It's a prominent topic in the world. And I I look in the Bible and I find as the Apostle Paul was writing to people in the New Testament, uh, almost invariably he would write to them, extending to them grace and peace over and over again. Uh, He would say something like, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He'd write to another group of people or another individual, uh, and he would say, grace be to you and peace from God the Father and and our Lord Jesus Christ or the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over again, he would be extending peace because uh, he knew that's what we need. And we always need peace. People has always needed peace in their hearts on this earth. Uh, the world certainly needs peace uh, in it. And uh, the Apostle Paul knows how to, how to get it. He knows how to tell people how to get that peace. And the Bible knows how to tell it, how to get that peace. We're going to talk about that uh, for a bit today. And before we do, let me just open up in prayer. Father, I do thank you today for the opportunity for us to get together uh, this way via the technology from the wisdom and knowledge that you've given to men and uh, that we're able to use it for your good and for your glory. And I pray that it would be today uh, to your glory, as well as to the edification, the help, and the blessing of those that tune in. And Lord, I pray for help in delivering these things. And Lord, in in my own flesh, I am weak, uh, Lord, but thou art strong. And I pray that you would take your strength and perfect it in my weakness, that uh, I'd not get in the way of what you want to say, Lord, to somebody today. May it be between uh, you and them, all those that tune in, may may they tune in not to uh, my voice, not to, uh, Lord, my words or my spirit, but to thine, Lord. That's what they need. Minister, I pray, and do do that thing that you can do in reaching out and getting a hold of men's hearts and lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. When it comes to the peace of God uh, and peace in itself, it's one of the most— whether people know what they're looking for or not, whether they know it's the peace of God they're looking for, maybe they're just calling it peace, but it is one of the most sought after things in the world. And it's one of the most elusive things for many that seek peace. Many seek peace, and when they do, it's like trying to pick up a, a leaf or a piece of paper that's blowing away in a windstorm. You're approaching it, you're just about to get it, and then another gust comes and, and it just gets out of your reach. It's just that elusive. And peace is really something that everyone wants. And yet it's something that many people don't have. I would dare say the majority of the people on this planet do not have peace, not a sustaining, lasting peace. The truth is that with peace, you can deal with anything that you've got to deal with. But without peace, you can't deal with anything. Without peace, you you can deal with nothing. Uh, There are people on this earth that have very little as far as possessions go, and yet they have peace. And there are people that have a lot as far as possessions go, but they have no peace. It's not unusual for us to hear about um, some famous person that seemingly had it all, uh, whether they were an entertainer or just somebody with wealth, and they seemed to have it all in order. They had all kinds of material possessions, maybe stature, uh, the respect of others, the admiration of others, and yet uh, having no peace, they make a mess out of their lives, sometimes to the point of even taking uh, their own lives. 
uh, what they need is they need that peace, peace of mind, peace of heart, uh, peace in their soul. Now, the Bible, as I said, is going to be where we're going to find out how to have peace. The Bible's got uh, 450 references to peace in its various forms. So if you're looking for peace, you can find it in the scriptures. You can find out how to get it in the Bible. Uh, the world will have its ideas. Uh, philosophers may have theirs. Uh, pundits may have theirs. Other folks may just want to throw in their two cents. But if you want to find out how to have real peace, you need to look and see what God has to say about it. And God has inspired his book for us, his word. He's preserved it for us. And uh, we have it today so that we can access it in our King James Bibles. And you can find out what the Lord says about peace by looking into the words in that book. So we're going we're gonna to do that, and I'm going to highlight some uh, things about it uh, that'll help you to know how you can have peace. So you take the world. I mean, the world, it has its imitation peace, but it doesn't have Bible peace. It doesn't have the peace of God. The world has its placebos of peace, if you will. And the world and many of the people and the things that are in it, it they promise peace and, and the things promise peace and the people promise peace, but they're not able to deliver it. I think of uh, Jeremiah chapter six and verse 14 along these lines. It says, they have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly saying, peace, peace, when there is no peace. That's kind of what I would call a placebo of peace. Somebody's saying, here's peace, take this, like you would take a pill and say, now this pill will help you with that, but there's really no potency to it. And they're saying, well, here, this will give you peace, or that'll give you peace. And that makes them feel a little bit better, healed the hurt slightly, like Jeremiah 6, 14 says. And they're saying, this, there's peace, peace, but the bottom line is there is no peace that remains. Ezekiel 13, verse 10 says, because even because they have seduced my people saying peace and there was no peace. These things that the world has to offer that uh, folks say will bring peace. It's, it's a seduction away from the truth of the word of God. You know, there's one, uh, there's a hymn that we sing called constantly abiding. And there's a line in that song that says, there's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. You know, we tried to find peace, many of us out there in this world, only to find our hearts crushed, our spirits broken, because the world can't give that peace. And when we sing those words, when I say them to you today, there's a peace in my heart that the world never gave. Any, any of us who know that peace, we respond in our souls with a hearty amen, because the world never gave us that peace. The world offers its imitation peace, its circumstantial peace, its fleeting peace, but only the Lord can give you the real sustaining peace that transcends circumstances. Having peace is not about your outward circumstances. You can find people in the Bible who had peace in spite of their outward circumstances. I think of the first martyr in the New Testament, Stephen, who preached in Acts chapter 7. And as he got down to the end of his message, and boy, he was giving him, he was giving him Bible. I mean, Old Testament verbatim in, in places, line upon line, precept upon precept. And he was giving it to him hard and fierce, uh, thunder and lightning, stood down to fine poison type preaching. And, uh, and he was giving it to him. And when he got down to the end of the message, uh, they, they began to come forward, but not as an invitation to pray. They came forward with stones to stone him. And as Stephen looked up, he saw heavens open and, and uh, Jesus Christ standing at the right hand of God. 
and and Stephen said to the Lord, he prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. And he prayed this and said this to uh, the people or to the Lord. He says, um, lay not this into their charge. Well, how could you say or pray something like that? People are about to kill you because you got peace. So his circumstances were not peaceful circumstances, but he had peace in the midst of those circumstances, peace in the storm. This world is looking for happiness by virtue of what happens to them. But the joy and the peace that God gives goes beyond what happens to you. And sometimes you can have peace in spite of what happens to you. And that is the peace of God. So let's uh, let's jump right in. And uh, as I said, you know, there's there's over 450 references to peace. So it is a vast subject in the scriptures, one that one that we could go on and on for uh, a while about. And we certainly could not exhaust it in one study. But we're going to highlight some key practical things today that the Bible says about how to get it. And we'll start with the most important thing. And that is in order to get peace, you need to get saved. You need to get saved. Saved is a Bible word. Um, when I first heard the word saved, I didn't know it was a Bible word, didn't really understand what it meant, didn't believe that that's what a person had to do to get saved. But I, of course, I had no clue. But uh, now being in the scriptures for a while and a good long time and going through them over and over again, the boy finds saved in there a lot of places. Uh, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall shall be saved. That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus shall believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. To, to get saved is to receive God's salvation. And the idea of it is to be saved from your sins and to be saved from hell and to be saved so that you can go to heaven. And that's, that's salvation. And that salvation that God offers comes to us in one person, one way, and it can only be gained in that way. And that way is Jesus. Jesus said himself, John 14, verse 6, I am the way the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12. It says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. That name is Jesus Christ, Jesus of Nazareth, the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the one who lived a sinless life, shed his blood on Calvary's cross, was beaten, spit upon, mocked, and nailed to that cross, died. Uh, and said, it is finished. The price was paid. They buried him, rose again from the dead. That's the gospel. And the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. And it's not just a belief in your head that'll get it to you, but it's a belief from your heart. As it is written, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Not just in him with your head, but on him from your heart. And that'll bring about peace. Now, how do we tie that together? I'm not just saying that even that this is generally true, though it is. And if I didn't have uh, the verse I'm about to show you, it, 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 was, it is still true that it brings peace. But there is a verse that spells it out for us. And that's Romans 5, verse number 1. It says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. The way to peace, first and foremost, is you got to have Jesus. That's how you get it. We have peace with God. How? Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. That's how we got it. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we can indeed have the peace of God. I, and maybe you have seen uh, bumper stickers that say it like this. 
I'm going to say I'm going to say the same thing twice, and it's going to sound like the same thing, but it's not. And it goes like this: No Jesus, no peace. No Jesus, no peace. Now it sounds the same, but they're spelled differently. And on that bumper sticker, the first no is K N O W. The first two in that first line. So it's no Jesus, K N O W. No Jesus, no peace. If you know Jesus as your Savior, you know peace. The second one is N-O, no Jesus, no peace. <laughs> and that's the way it goes. If you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you have that peace of God, uh, with that peace with God through salvation. If you don't have the Lord Jesus, you don't have that peace. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Peace with God. Uh, back in the day of a generation or two of the past, uh, that was the title of a book that's, uh, that Billy Graham wrote about uh, salvation, peace with God. And of course, that's where the title was extracted from. But uh, he himself put it forth and understood, as many preachers do, that the true preachers all over the place and understand it, but but as many preachers do, that the only way to get the peace of God inside of your heart and your soul is you got to have Jesus Christ as your Savior. Peace is all wrapped up in the Lord. It's all wrapped up in God. Um, God being uh, one God with three personages. Uh, some refer to this as the Trinity, though that's not a Bible word. It is descriptive of the uh, condition or the circumstance of God being three in one. It's Trinity, tr triune God. Uh, the Bible word for that is Godhead, capital G-O-D-H-E-A-D, Godhead, referencing God the Father, uh, God the Son, and God the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to peace, uh, each member of the Godhead has an association with peace as part of his being. The Bible refers to God the Father as the God of peace. The Lord Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace. The Holy Spirit has fruit, and the fruit of the Spirit, uh, right on in the early part of its listing, is peace, love, joy, peace. It's the fruit of the Spirit. So each member of the Godhead has an association with that, because God peace is all wrapped up in God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. As far as a Christian goes, once you're saved, you know, it's your birthright to have peace. What I mean by that is once you're saved, once you've been born again, one of the things that goes along with that is peace. And every saved child of God should have peace. No doubt you get peace when you genuinely get saved. And yet as Christians go on, not every Christian does have peace. They may have gotten that peace when they got sustain, got saved, and it is a sustaining peace, a peace that will sustain, but not all of them let, let it sustain them. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, these things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. He said that to his disciples, and he wanted his disciples to have peace, and then peace is found in him. And again, you will get that with salvation, but if you want to have that practically living out your everyday life, then you're going to need to follow after the Lord and follow after those things which make for peace that he's given you. I want to go ahead and give you the rest of that verse where, where Jesus was speaking, where he said, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me you might have peace. He said, in the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. This again points to the fact that uh, peace is not sub just subjected to your circumstances. While circumstances may rob you of your peace, they do not need to rob you of your peace. Again, you can have a peace that transcends your circumstances. For as Jesus said in the world, you shall have tribulation. But he said, be of good cheer. What's that sound like? Sounds like peace. 
You can be of good cheer, even in your tribulation, because he spoke things to us that in him we might have peace. So I'm telling you that the Lord offers you peace. You can get it, first of all, by getting saved. Then after you're saved, if you want to continue on in that peace, then you're going to need to begin to grow. And the Lord wants you to have peace. Now, the devil doesn't want you to have peace anymore than he wants you to have salvation. But once you get salvation, he'd still like to rob you of your peace. Along with the world, the flesh, and the devil, they'd like to rob you uh, of your peace. So let me give you a second thing to do if you want to have peace. Uh, understanding that the foundation has now been laid in Jesus Christ with salvation. The second thing uh, I want to bring out to, to do if you have peace, if you want to have peace, and that is get sin out of your life. First one was get saved. Second one, get sin out of your life. Sin. Sin is a peace robber. It will rob you of your peace. Robs you of a lot of things. Jeremiah 5.25 says, Your iniquities have turned away these things, and your sins have withholden good things from you. Sin will keep back blessings out of your life, and one of those blessings is that inward peace. Isaiah chapter 57 and verses 20 and 21 give us some insight about this directly from the scriptures about sin robbing you of your peace. It says there, but the wicked are like the troubled sea when it cannot rest, whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. Well, that's pretty, pretty clear. Uh, you're not going to have wickedness and have peace. Now, we look around at wicked people, and we see them playing or looking like they've got peace. But you want to remember when you see a lot of these pictures and videos and these little um, glimpses, is what you're seeing is a snapshot of that person's life. Um, I learned a long time ago that people, people can put on a, a good front for a snapshot. Uh, you can see people who generally never smile and generally look miserable. And then the camera's gotten out and a lot of them, they just light right up, look like they're the happiest person on earth for what, for, for the millisecond or the few seconds they got to pose for the camera. And we see snippets of uh, people's lives on video. Maybe you see people at a party look like they're having fun. What you're seeing is a little portion of their life. Let's get a video of when the uh, booze goes out of them. Uh, let's get a picture of them in the morning when they got a hangover. Let's get a picture of them when they have to do something they don't like to do, when they have to face trouble, when they have to go to work, uh, when somebody's giving them a hard time. Uh, they they have, a, again, the world's imitation of peace. It's a little peace placebos, which are really filled with poison. Not even placebos filled with nothing. It's It's the devil's poison because the wages of sin is death. And sin will rob you of your peace. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. There's no such thing as having peace in your heart and your soul when you have sin in your life. Again, you, you might get the devil's imitation masquerading as peace, but it'll show its true colors in time. When it's all said and done, it'll leave you high and dry. It'll leave you miserable, filled with regret. And that's anything but peace. Sin puts a breach between you and the Lord. And where a person allows sin to be in their life, they sacrifice a measure of the peace of God and it's not worth it. Look, at it is never worth it. It's never worth it. Sin and peace are at uh, opposite ends of the spectrum. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10 begin, begins a passage uh, that leads to somebody that doesn't have peace. And it starts by saying, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. That's akin to another verse later on in Romans chapter 3, verse 23. 
as it is written, there there is none righteous, no, not one. In verse 10, Romans 10, 23 says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. So we're all sinners. There's no, no one that is righteous in and of himself. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There's none that doeth good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues, they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. They are filled with sin inside and out. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. Why? Because the way of peace is a different way than the way of sin. You, you want to have peace in your heart? You got to get sin out of your life because sin will keep you back from having peace. You'll be, you'll be like that, my, that troubled sea, can't rest, it casts up mire and dirt. You, you don't have that peace. There is no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. So if you want to get peace in your heart, get saved. Get sin out of your life. And then a third thing is this. Get righteousness in your life. Now, I may be splitting hairs a little bit with point two and point three. I want to make a little bit of a distinction. Certainly, righteousness involves getting sin out of your life. But when it comes right down to it, the absence of sin does not necessarily mean the presence of righteousness. That is to say, righteousness being living right in, in this practical sense of righteousness. Uh, we have a piece of armor called the breastplate of righteousness. That has to do with us doing right, living right, keeping our hearts right. Uh, this is this is different from the righteousness that we get in Jesus Christ when, when God gives us uh, his righteousness. But that's imputed righteousness. We're talking now about a practical one. You're living it out. So you can have you can get to the place where, okay, I'm, I'm going after, I'm getting some sin out of my life, and you can make way for peace there, and peace can begin to come in. But if you want the fullness of it, not don't just get sin out of your life. Get right living and right things and righteousness in your life. Doing right, living for the Lord, serving him, worshiping him, witnessing for him, uh, going to church, uh, all these things with the, with the heart of, of wanting to do right, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If you'll get those things in, it'll help peace to come in. You know, peace is, peace is what the world um, says they want, and yet they, they don't have. And peace is what Christians want, too, and yet a lot of times they don't have it. If you have your Bibles, you might look at this uh, with me and, uh, and some of these other references. I may go through quickly, but uh, it'd be good for you to go back and look at them in the Scriptures. But this can be in Hebrews chapter 7. And in regard to needing righteousness to have peace, I want to show you two verses at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 7. So Hebrews chapter 7, verse number 1 says, For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, who met Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him, to whom Abraham gave a tenth part of all, first being by interpretation. Now this is this is referring to Melchizedek. Melchizedek first being by interpretation, king of righteousness. And after that also, king of Salem, which is king of peace. Now, our God is a God of order. He says in 1 Corinthians 14, he says, let all things be done decently and in order. And when God says first, and then he says after that, 
like he does here in verse number two of Hebrews chapter seven, he's giving you an order of things. So when it comes to Melchizedek, he says, first Melchizedek, by interpretation, is king of righteousness. After that, he is king of peace. It's, it, he, the Lord's taking that from the name Melchizedek. Like a lot of names in the scriptures, these names have meanings. And Melchizedek comes from a couple uh, Hebrew words, uh, which, you know, I had a year of Hebrew at uh, PBI. Um, Dr. Ruckman would say he, we teach Hebrew and Greek here for spite, not so that we can get more light out of the, the English uh, Bible. But one of the things that does help you in is sometimes understanding the names. Um, and I'm, I'm avoid getting sidetracked here because I want to run into to, to talk about different parts. But, but, but let me just tell you this ma- name, Melchizedek. It comes from two uh, words which have their roots in Hebrew. And the first one is the word for king, which would be uh, Melech. If we were to transliterate it into English, you'll often see it written M-E-L-E-K, Melech. And in the name of Melchizedek, that's the first part, M-E-L-C-H. And then that uh, Sedek, you might see it written out as T-S-E-D-E-C or T-S-E-D-E-K. But that's why he says, by interpretation, this is what his name means. So let me read you verse 2 again. To whom also Abraham gave us tenth part of all, first being, by interpretation, king of righteousness. Okay? Melchizedek means, the name means king of righteousness. And then he says, and after that also, king of Salem, which is king of peace. Salem means peace. Uh, You probably are more familiar with Salem from really the end of the city, Jerusalem. That's where it's found out. What is it? It's the city of peace, which which seems almost like a misnomer for it when you think about its history and all the battles that have been over Jerusalem and battles to come, uh, yet to come over Jerusalem. And yet it'll, it is God's city of peace, and, and it will one day be where the Lord uh, sets up uh, his uh, peaceable kingdom from and rules and reigns from with the Lord Jesus Christ reigning. But Melchizedek was called Melchizedek, king of Salem, so it's first king of righteousness, second king of peace. And I, and I point out that order again because God's a, a God of order. And the lesson from here, the practical teaching is, that righteousness comes before peace. So if you want peace, you need to have righteousness first. Yes, that includes getting sin out of your your life, and we've talked about that, but it also includes living for the Lord. Some people begin to get sin out of their life, and all of a sudden they think the Christian life is boring because they don't know what to do with themselves. And to those that think the Christian life is boring, I, I have said a number of times, and we'll say it to you today, that the Christian life Maybe a lot of things, but it is not boring if you're living it. Some Christians aren't living the Christian life. They're living really the life of some lost person just wandering out in the world, having you know, no God and being without God and having no hope in this world, basically is how they're living. Although they may say they're saved, maybe they are, but they're not living for the Lord, even if they do get sin out of their life. So yeah, go get sin out of your life. And if you haven't done that, you got work to do, but get righteousness in it. Get living for the Lord because righteousness and peace go together. And it's, and it's in that order. Righteousness comes first. Peace is a byproduct of righteousness. Psalm 85 verse 10, mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. That's how tight those two are in their relationship. They're that close righteousness and peace. And notice again, what does he list first? Righteousness. 
Uh, Isaiah 32, verse number 17, and the work of righteousness shall be peace, and the effect of righteousness, quietness and assurance forever. Here it is again. It's God's order. Righteousness listed first, peace second, because that's how peace comes, with righteousness uh, first. And then he says in Isaiah 48, verse 18, Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments, the Lord lamenting because they had not. Oh, that thou hast hearkened to my commandments. Then had thy peace been as a river and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. Now, though righteousness, as is mentioned in name after peace here, it really occurred even before peace because hearkening to God's commandments, uh, that is righteousness, doing what the Lord tells you to do. That's living out righteousness. So hearken, uh, righteousness is understood and hearkened his commandments, and that's what brings about the peace. And the Lord uh, talking about if you had done that, his commandments, you would have had peace. And then your righteousness would have been as the waves of the sea. And let me give you one more, Romans 14, verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. So there's, there's another thing or another verse where you have righteousness and peace and, and you see that order of righteousness first, peace second. Righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Well, let, let me interject this as part of uh, righteousness. The fruit of the Spirit is peace. If you want to have peace, get filled with the Holy Ghost. And that is part of righteous living. Getting sin out and getting the Lord uh, into all that you do in life. If the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, and you get filled with the Spirit, then his fruit will fill you. So if you are saved but you don't have peace, then there's something out of whack there because it is part of your birthright as a Christian. It, it ought to be there. And it might be that uh, instead of being filled with the Spirit, you're grieving the Spirit by some of the things that you're doing or quenching the Spirit by some of the things that you're supposed to be doing that you're not doing. So as the Spirit of God fills you, peace will again be a natural byproduct of that. So you want to get peace? Hey, get saved. And if you've been saved, get sin out of your life. And if you've gotten sin out of your life, Get righteousness in your life. And if you've got those things going, you know, still sometimes there's an attack on our peace. And to wage war and yourself and get victory uh, in that attack and defend and, and come out with peace, I want to say number four, get praying. Get praying. Um, I, based on a, a couple of verses I'm going to show you in a little bit, I have learned one of the secrets to getting peace when you're battling against a loss of it is praying until you have peace. And so I, I tell folks, pray till you have peace. Some folks wonder how long they should pray. I, I guess there are different answers for different circumstances. But when the burdens press and the cares distress, let me suggest to you that you find a place to get alone with God and pray till you have peace. You know, the cares of this world will choke the peace of God right out of your life if you allow them to. Uh, but you don't have to allow them to. Peter taught us with the following words, and, and uh, I love this little short verse that packs a big punch. And, and I, ought to, I want to encourage you to memorize it. And it says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. That's part of the process of praying till you have peace. It is getting the burden off of your shoulders and onto God's, getting the cares off of you and onto the Lord. And you can do that 
You can cast your care upon Jesus because the Bible tells you he careth for you. And he can bear your load. If you'll bear your burdens and your care all by yourself, you'll eventually be overwhelmed and filled with anxiety, and that's not peace. But if you'll cast all your care upon Jesus, he'll bear the load. He'll give you peace. Similarly, in Psalm 55, verse 22, it says, cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. I've already talked to you about a sustaining peace. There it is. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. You do that, the Lord will sustain you. But if you bear all your burdens by yourself, you will be crushed under the load. What you got to do is cast your burden on the Lord and watch him sustain you, watch him fill you uh, with his peace. Casting your burdens upon the Lord, casting all your care upon him, those are things that are done through prayer. Psalm 62, verse 8 says, Trust in him at all times, ye people. Pour out your heart before him. God is a refuge for us, Selah. You, you take what's inside of your heart, those troubles, those burdens, and you just begin to pour them out. It doesn't even have to be pretty. Some of my casting all my care upon the Lord prayers are, aren't even organized. They, they certainly don't sound majestic. It's a, it's a race for me to get them out of my mouth while I can remember them in my mind as, as they come through, and I, oh, I'm overwhelmed by them. Oh, Lord, and this, this thing right here is, is, is bothering me, and this thing's robbing me of my peace. And I don't know what about, about this, but I'm not saying this, that, and the other. I'm telling them what they are. I'm not telling you what they are, but I'm telling God what they are in prayer. And, Lord, then, then the issue I'm dealing with with this situation and what I'm dealing with with that person and, and what am I supposed to do about this here and all these things, Lord, are troubling me. And I pray and I get them out and I pour out my heart and I cast them on the Lord. I find he can handle them. Me, not so much. God, yes. So I cast my burdens. I get them off of my weak shoulders onto the big, strong soldiers' shoulders of our Lord Jesus Christ. And whenever, whatever's threatening your peace, pour it out to God in prayer. It's one of the great keys prayer is, one of the great keys that unlocks the door of the peace of God. And now those verses, those two verses I want to tell you about that really taught me this lesson. It's in the book of Philippians, Philippians 4, 6, and 7. And in Philippians chapter 4, Verse number six and seven, you're going to get a, a pattern about how to go about uh, getting peace. And so, if, again, I, I want you to look there. So I encourage you to, to get in your get your Bible. And if we ever get to the verses before you do, when uh, we're giving these studies, uh, you can always pause it. That's one nice thing about a podcast. You can pause it, go get your Bible and then open it up and, and, and look at them. So in Philippians four, verse number six. But before I read it, I'm going to tell you, these two verses are divided into two parts. And the first part is going to be your part, and the second part is going to be God's. So we're going to start with your part. This is what you want to do. The result is you're going to get peace. But but the first thing, first verse, verse number six, this is what you got to do. And, and it starts by saying this, be careful for nothing. Now, we tend to... Think of you when know, we say be careful, we tend to mean it by saying, you know, you know, watch out, be cautious, and so forth. And we understand that meaning of it. But but God used it here in its basic, most rudimentary sense of, of what the word means, like a compound word, combining care and full. Don't be full of care. And he's saying, be careful for nothing. So the idea of that is you, you're not to be full of care about anything. Be careful for nothing but in everything by prayer. So the Lord's telling you, be careful for nothing, but be prayerful for everything. Be careful for nothing, be prayerful in everything. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer 
and supplication. That would be praying, asking God to supply your need, like the root of it, supplication, supply something that you need, whatever it might be, whether it's materially, emotionally, spiritually. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. So as you go through this thing, here's what you got to do. You want to start being careful for nothing. So I'm, I'm casting my care on him. Uh, I'm in I'm in everything I'm praying. I'm praying in, in everything about whatever it is that I'm concerned about. I'm, I'm praying about it. Whatever it is I'm dealing with, I'm praying about it. Whatever needs I have, I'm asking God to supply him. And along the way, as I'm doing that, I'm giving God thanks. Don't, don't miss out on the thanksgiving part. In everything, give thanks for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So you give him thanks. Sometimes in your difficulties, you'll need to stop and just give God thanks for those difficulties in the midst of him. Thank him. And sometimes that'll be the release valve that, that'll loosen the uh, latch on the pressure cooker to allow the peace and the pressure to get off and the peace to come into your soul. So be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests. To this day, we call them prayer requests. And, and whatever it is that you're requesting and what you'd like to see God do, you can ask God for it. We're, ta- we're not talking about, of course, asking God for something that's wrong or sinful, but within the bounds of what's proper and right and potentially good, if we don't know what is well, we can make our requests be made known to God so long as we approach them in this fashion. With thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. So that's our part. The resultant uh, verse, uh, verse 7, the resultant thing that happens after you have done your part is what God does. And we're going to note that the first thing it says that God does is not that he necessarily gives you your request. You might get your request. You might not. But here's what you will get. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. God may not give you everything that you ask for. There's plenty of times I've prayed for things and the answer uh, came back, no. You know what you got to do? Realize the Lord knows what he's doing. And, and a lot of times looking back, it's easier to see he didn't know what he was doing. And whether I see it or not, he knows what he's doing. Whether you see it or not, he knows what he's doing. But he says, let your request be made known to God and the peace of God was passed with all understanding. So keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. So you won't necessarily get what you've asked for. Again, sometimes you will, sometimes you won't, but you will get the peace of God. And folks, that's what you need. Because if you got your request and didn't have peace, it wouldn't do you any good. I read in the Old Testament about a group of people, children of Israel, after they whined and whined and whined for certain things, the Bible says finally that God gave them their request and sent leanness into their soul. What good was that? No good. What you need is you need the peace of God. And so if God says no to your prayer, but gives you his peace, that's all you need. If God says yes to your prayer, but you don't get the peace with it, that's not what you need. What you need is a peace of God. And, and look at the encompassing reach of that peace, for it is the peace of God, he says, which passeth all understanding. Plenty of times I didn't know why God was doing things the way he was doing them. I didn't understand it, but I had a peace that surpassed that, that superseded my understanding, called the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And it keeps your hearts 
Your heart always wants to fret and worry. Well, it'll keep your heart. It'll keep your mind. Your mind wants to stew on things. It'll keep your heart and your mind. What'll do that? The peace of God. And it passeth all understanding. Boy, let that thing soak down into your heart and your mind and your soul and get a hold of it. And I've learned this then if I come away from a prayer session and I've I've prayed and prayed and prayed and I come away from that thing and I still don't have peace, then I either haven't prayed enough or there was something amiss in my prayer. And I need to go back to the drawing board of prayer and and look at uh, verse number six in Philippians chapter four and go through it step by step, um, thing by thing that's in there and make sure that I've got all the ingredients because the result is when I've done that properly, I will have the peace of God, which passes all understanding. So you can troubleshoot your prayers if you're not coming away with peace and get alone with the Lord, cast all your care upon him. And folks, again, I recommend that you learn to pray till you have peace. All right, let me hasten on a, a fifth thing. If you want to have peace, I would say this, get a love for the Bible. Get a love for the Bible. Psalm 119, verse 165, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You know why a lot of people don't have peace? Because a lot of people don't love the Bible. Do you know why a lot of Christians don't have peace? And this, this is almost going to sound blasphemous, but there's a lot of Christians that don't love the Bible. You can be saved and not love the Bible. If you're saved, you ought to love the Bible. It's what saved your soul. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. And, and it's what can bring you to a place of peace in your heart. And if you love God's word, not only will you have peace, you will have great peace. And nothing shall offend them. Are you kind of that, person, that kind of person that gets offended really easily? Somebody says something, well, what do they mean by that? Somebody does something to you and you get all offended and you never get over it and you stew with bitterness. You need to fall in love with the word of God, either for the first time or fresh and anew, because then you can have great peace and nothing shall offend them. There is great peace in this verse associated with the word of God, particularly in, in loving it. And of course, if you love the Bible, you'll read it. And in reading it, you will find that great peace. I have at times found myself, like talking about praying till I have peace, I find, uh, I find myself sometimes drained of spiritual strength or beaten down in battle or, or even defeated and, and not having that peace. And, and, and even maybe after praying, not, not, uh, not having it to the degree that I want to. And, and in addition to going back and troubleshooting it, like I mentioned, there's something else that I'll do. Sometimes with the specter of depression pressing upon my soul, I make my way to the Word of God and I pick up my Bible and I begin to read and I read and I read and I read and I read my Bible till I have peace. I have found myself being able to pray my way to peace and read my way in the Bible to peace. So I read it and read it and read it. Sometimes I'll sit down when I when I feel it pressed and and, and just just completely deflated. I read it and read it until the peace of God inflates my deflated soul and I can sail on for Jesus. And truth is, if, if you live without peace, Christian, if you live without peace, lost person, if you live without peace, it is because you choose to, because God has given you the elements that'll give you peace. He's made them available to you. Jesus offered it to you. My peace I've given to you. It's up to you to take it by receiving him as your savior. He's given you processes in the scriptures whereby you can have peace. It's up to you to implement them. There is no wound that the balm of Gilead supplied by the Lord Jesus Christ cannot make feel better. 
There is no burden that the book of God cannot alleviate through its quick and powerful words. Sometimes when you get down to read your Bible, maybe the peace won't come as quickly as you'd like. But that's part of what I'm getting at here about reading until you have peace. Hang in there and don't be in too much of a hurry. You know, some, some days an hour or more invested in Bible reading or prayer can save you from hours, days, weeks, months, or even years of depression and defeat. So learn to pray to you have peace. Learn to sit down and read your Bible till you've got that peace. And like prayer, sometimes folks wonder, well, how, how much should I read my Bible? Well, how much do you need? Some days I, I, have, a, I have an average daily amount that I, I read uh, that, that, you know, when it comes right down to it, you, you could say this would be my average Bible reading for the day, uh, what I do on a daily basis. But there are days when I need more than my average daily allotment of Bible. And so I'll sit down and I'll, I'll read it until it begins to break through my hardened flesh and hardened heart and hardened exterior to, to flood my soul with the peace of God. For great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. All right, let me uh, hasten to another one and say this real quick. Uh, you want to have peace? Uh, get get your mind on God. Get your mind on God. For some of you, that'll uh, you'll you'll first need to get your mind out of the gutter, rein in your thought life, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ, as per Second Corinthians chapter five, verse number ten. But the promise for peace in regard to this point about getting your mind on God to get that peace, it's found in Isaiah 26, verse 3. And that says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Well, that's, that's another description of God's peace. We, we found it to be the peace of God, the peace of God which passeth all understanding, great peace, and here, perfect peace. Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, who? Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. When you trust the Lord, you tend to keep your mind on him. Keep your mind on the Lord shows that you're trusting in the Lord. Keeping your mind on the Lord helps to bring you perfect peace. It, keep, keep your mind on the Lord keeps you in that perfect peace. Your problems, they want to take over your mind, uh, but the Lord's telling you, keep your mind on him. Then you'll have perfect peace. Look, we live in a world that's really, I, I look at this world as a burden machine a trouble machine. It just wants to just crank out burdens, rob you of your peace, get your mind off the Lord, get your mind off his word. And it'll do everything it can. You're going to have to fight for peace, if you will. You're going to have to work. You have to fight the good fight of faith. The Bible tells you about um, keeping your mind on the Lord to have peace. And then and con- in a contrast of that, in Romans 8, verse 6, it says, for to be carnally minded is death. So you get your mind on sin and on flesh and in the gutter, it's death. It's a living death. It's not a living peace. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Romans 8, verse 6. So learn to discipline your thoughts. And that'll go a long way towards giving you peace of mind. Disciplining them to keep on keep them on the Lord. And again, back to the previous point, keep it in the Bible. Help keep your mind on the Lord. So... Uh, as uh, one of the preachers I used to hear a lot preach would say, uh, you know, you need to get rid of your, he called it your stinking thinking. Get rid of your stinking thinking and think about the Savior and think about the scriptures that tell you all about him. Keep looking unto Jesus. Uh, Hebrews 12, 3, consider him that endures such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. 
because thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. All right, finally, I've talked a lot about practical peace for the individual. Let me just give you a little uh, last thought about this. What about world peace? You know, Jesus, he made some statements that are, are very well known and some that are very well unknown. <laughs> They're not so, not so well known. One of those statements is Matthew 10, verse 34. And there Jesus said this, Think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. How about that one? He said, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. Now, Jesus is talking about this while he's alive during his first coming. Because the first coming was not for him to bring peace on earth. Yet an angel announced his voice saying peace on earth. We'll get to that in a moment. Now, while he said, I came not to send, I come not to send peace on earth. He did come to send peace into the hearts of individuals. And we've talked about that for being just, therefore being justified with God. We have just therefore being justified by faith. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So what the Lord was telling them is I, I didn't come to send world peace here this, this time I came to, I came to die on the cross. We've talked about that as well. But we can have as individuals, we can have peace. But as far as this world is concerned, uh, Jesus didn't come the first time to to send peace. Now, coming up in the near future, you have a person that we refer to from the scriptures because the Bible refers to him as the Antichrist, also called the beast. When he comes in, he's going to come in with a fake peace. The Bible says he's going to come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. But it'll be that false peace of this world. And the Bible says, by peace, he sh- he's going to destroy many. By peace shall destroy many is what he's going to do. And he's going to stand up against the prince of princes. He's going to be standing up against the Lord. But he's not going to be able to bring peace on, peace on this earth. The world doesn't have peace. Do, do you know why? Remember Hebrews 7, Melchizedek? Because it doesn't have righteousness. It's righteousness first, peace second. Since there's no righteousness to speak of permeating this world, this world doesn't have peace individuals, maybe, yes, pockets of peace here and there, groups of people, maybe, but um, not as the world, not the world as a whole. The world as a whole, instead of righteousness, they, they rather gorge themselves on sin. Now, when the Lord Jesus was born, the angel came, and there was a multitude of heavenly hosts saying this, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And the reason this world doesn't have peace on earth right now and didn't then is because the world didn't give glory to God in the highest. And today the world's not giving glory to God in the highest. And the world will not, the world, as in the sense of this earth, there will not be peace on earth as the earth as a whole until this earth, the people and the inhabitants of it, give glory to God in the highest and live righteousness out in their own lives. When the Lord came, he came unto his own, his own received him not. He was rejected by this world. And where there is no glory given to God and no righteousness uh, being lived out by all the inhabitants of the earth, there's not going to be peace on earth. And the world's not going to know peace until the Prince of Peace returns. And when he does, then they're going to know peace. Then they'll know peace on earth, goodwill toward men, uh, not just here and there, but throughout the entire world. Isaiah chapter 9, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. That's Isaiah 9, 6, verse 7. Of the increase of his government, whose government? The Prince of Peace, Jesus Christ. 
Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon the kingdom, upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. What's he going to do? He's, what's he going to perform? He's going to bring peace on this earth, and it's going to increase and increase and increase and permeate from sea to shining sea. There'll be no end. Now, we're not there yet. And before we get there, as, uh, as I used to hear folks say down south, things are going to get worse before they get better. And they're going to get worse. There's tribulation to come. But when the Lord Jesus Christ comes back at his second advent, after the rapture, tribulation, second advent, he comes back at the end of the tribulation. When he comes back after the great tribulation and the battle of Armageddon, we will finally then have peace on earth and goodwill toward men. Not before then. Not before. No matter how many world leaders talk about peace, no matter how many peace treaties they signed and how much they tout it and all this other stuff. You can't have peace without righteousness. You can't have peace without glory to God. You can't have peace without the Prince of Peace. So even so, come Lord Jesus. But until he does, until he does, you as individuals, you can have peace. And boy, don't, don't we need it? So don't people on this earth need it? All the fear, all the trepidation for all the various things that happen to people in, li in, in life and things going on in the world. There's a peace that's available. It's in Jesus. It's there for the taken. I recommend you get it as soon as possible, as it's written. Now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. And if you're saved, do those things that we talked about, that the scriptures talk about, that'll get you peace. And you can enjoy God's great peace, his perfect peace, the peace of God, which passeth all understanding. Man. Pastor Strobel, thank you, sir, for that that message. It was uh, it was needed and, and appreciated. Amen. Guys, amen. I'll let well, the uh, I'll let the elder go first. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fine. Uh, the aged. The aged. <laughs> yes. Um, it was uh, the the lesson, brother, was uh, really refreshing to my soul and and. Uh, some of us can maybe claim to be saved for a period of time. It's been 45 years plus for me, and and uh, uh, going through those 45 years, there's been ups and downs, and things where the world and and my own sinful flesh has has robbed me of that peace. And you know, sometimes, and this may not be for all, and maybe not even for people in our audience, but there are some out there people out there that think that uh, these are things that just preachers preach about and they don't really work in in practical life and and I want to tell you that the things that pastor Strobel talked about today are real I mean I've experienced them uh, just a couple of things just uh, to reiterate or or reinforce some of the things that brother Strobel mentioned here uh, with regards to salvation I remember the turmoil uh, that I was in prior to the day that I trusted Christ as my Savior. I remember the uncertainty. I remember the confusion. Uh, I remember the anger and the and the, the just the unsettledness of my life of, of what it was all about. And I remember the day when I asked the Lord to save me that 
that confusion and that turmoil and that unrest in my life was just, it was like being out on a, on a, on a lake or on the sea, which I've been on, where you've got all of this chaos in the water and there's no rhyme or reason to waves and they're crashing from side to side. And then within an instant, it is just pure as glass and just as calm as can be. And I remember that's what my my life was like after I trusted the Lord. And there was a peace. And, and, and I don't know that I heard the words, but I know that I... I the impression upon my soul was like, okay, it's okay now. It's okay no. now. And and I remember that just as, as vividly today as it happened 40, over 45 years ago. The other thing that, that one of the things that he mentioned was, I and of all the things that I've been through, I just when I'm sitting here listening to uh, Brother Strobel preach and teach on this, there was an incident probably back in the, I want to say the mid '80s, that uh, something a neighbor was doing that that could have been catastrophic. Nothing that I was really doing that was wrong, but they could have made a lot of trouble for me, and it was causing a lot of angst. And I remember, I remember where I was. I remember, in fact, uh, most of the guys that I know here that are on this podcast would know where I'm talking about. I went out to a, a field uh, where it's by some. Uh, 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 ball fields and, and the golf course was right there. And there was a, uh, a little knoll that was just out in the middle. It might've been some extra dirt that was there for, for some purpose. And I went out and I just, I sat on top of that thing and I was at my wits end. I was just, uh, you know, it was just a very tense situation. And I remember praying and I remember praying and praying and tears and, and just, not knowing what to do and just calling out to God. And as Pastor Strobel talked about, I prayed through until there was a peace. And there was a peace. And what I had feared, God took care of and didn't become an issue. And mm-hmm. there was a peace there. There was a peace. And I, I don't know that I can explain it any better than that, but I know that what he just taught you is real in life. And for those of you that may just think it's all that, that that's just preaching. He's just preaching. It's actually reality Amen. and uh, something that you ought to put into practice. And one more thing, and this is something when he was going through, uh, I think it was points two and three, get sent out and get righteousness in. Uh, I, I'd had this uh, chapter memorized at one point and things, when I hear things that automatically draws me back to this. In Colossians chapter 3, uh, there's a portion there, in, starting in verse 5, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanness, inordinate affection, evil concupiscence, and covetousness, which is idolatry. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience, in the which ye also walked some time when ye lived in them. But now ye put off all these, anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, Filthy communication out of your mouth, lie not one to another, seeing ye have put off the old man with his deeds, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. So those first verses there are getting the sin out. It goes on in verse 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercies, kindness, humbleness of mind, 
meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. So that's getting righteousness in. The very next verse, verse 15, says, And let the peace of God rule in your hearts to the which he also called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, uh, with grace in your hearts to the singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. What he was telling you is is truth, and it was capsulized right there in Colossians chapter three. That peace comes when you get that sin out, and and put the righteousness in, and you know, it almost gives you the impression that it says, let the, let the peace of God rule. So it's almost like you have a choice. You can let that peace be there, which will come when you do those things, but you can also choose to not let it rule. And you allow fears and you allow the turmoil and the cares of this life to to overtake you and to rule in your life. So when you do the things that you're supposed to, where the peace comes from, then you have the opportunity to either let it rule in your hearts or, or not. And so, you know, I would, I would just reiterate, you know, and I'm not meaning to preach here, but, but just reinforcing what Pastor Strobel said as, as being something that's essential for the child of God to be able to have the peace of God, which I think, like he said, every Christian desires and every lost person, if you go back to the testimony of salvation that people are looking for in order to, you know, if, if they're lost, they need to get saved in order to have that peace of God. So thank you, brother. I really appreciate that. It was a blessing. Amen. 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 Yeah. It's uh, one of those things where, you know, I remember right before I got saved, I was doing everything that, you know, I thought would make me happy my whole entire life. I had a great apartment, great job, you know, great car. I was actually, I remember one time specifically, I was done playing basketball. One of the things that I just absolutely love doing. And I was on my way home in the car and I was just weeping. I mean, weeping. I had my windows open and even people were like, you know, this was close to New York City, so it was pretty congested. I didn't even care that anybody saw me, you know, and and I think that's one of the main things, too, when you get to the point where you're doing everything that would have normally made you really happy and all that. And after a while, it just doesn't give you that peace and joy anymore and, and happiness. And I think a lot of people find that you hear about that with millionaires and things like that. You know, they get everything that they think that, you know, the world can provide. And then it's just, you know, the sorrow comes and they can't find help for it. They can't find peace. And then I remember when I went to a Barnes and Nobles, picked up a Bible, started reading just in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. It was like this peace just passed over me. And it was like the Lord was saying, this is what you need. I remember bringing it home the next morning, reading it. John 3, 3, you must be born again to see the kingdom of God. And I received Christ as my savior. And it was just like that huge weight was lifted off, huge peace. Uh, it's just, you know, if there's anybody listening that says, you know what, I'm kind of in the same spot, you know, uh, I can't find that peace, that relaxation to my soul. Uh, I'm doing everything that used to make me happy. Well, it's most likely the Lord's dealing with you and saying, hey, listen, you got to get saved. And, 
you know, the word of God, that's, that's what it is. That's what tells us we got to get saved. And, uh, in Proverbs chapter, Proverbs chapter three and, um, in verse 13, it says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and the man that getteth understanding for the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof than fine gold. She is more precious than rubies and all things thou canst desire not to be compared unto her. Length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand, riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to them that lay hold upon her and happy is every one that retaineth her. And of course, wisdom's found in the word of God. Understanding, of course, is comes from that wisdom that comes from the word of God, you know, living a, a separated life, a life according to the word of God. And, um, you know, you look at that and uh, we just had it just at church recently. People, a couple people came to our church that hadn't come in a long time. And they said, you know, we used to come here when we were teenagers and, you know, they're in their 20s, 30s now. And they said, you know, there was somebody at work just talking about that we're going to go through the tribulation and all this kind of stuff. And that you could tell they had no peace. And unfortunately, they didn't know the word of God. I mean, of course, it was taught to them, but they didn't retain it. They didn't keep remembering what they were taught and go over it. And so when false doctrine came in, they started to really start worrying, had no peace. But then when they came back to church, they started to learn and we showed them the verses in the Bible that were not appointed to wrath and all that. And uh, it's like that peace just, again, went right over them. They said, wow, I knew it, you know. And and so I think there's so many people, so many Christians that are even saved now that have no peace because they don't know their Bible. And uh, again, that goes back to great, great peace that have they that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. You'll have peace knowing the word of God and uh, no false doctrine will offend you. I'm not worried about losing my salvation, no matter how many times people try and go to Hebrews 6, because <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that. Hebrews Amen. 6 doctrinally, of course, is to those in the tribulation, you know, so I don't have to worry about that stuff. And so if you know the word of God and you study that word of God, you'll have that great peace that passeth all understanding. So, amen. Great study. Amen. And, you know, as as Christians, we, we don't work for salvation. We didn't, you know, it wasn't possible that we could do anything to, to earn salvation. It's a gift of God and, and thank God it is. But after that, you know, in order to maintain peace, the things that Pastor Strobel mentioned about, um, you know, getting sin out of your life, that takes work. That doesn't just happen by mm-hmm. itself. That takes work. And the same thing with Amen. loving and reading Amen. your Bible. You know, you have to be disciplined to do these things. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you, I've been on uh, both sides of that fence. I've coasted along in my Christian life, and it doesn't take long. There's no peace. <laughs> There's no peace when I'm not reading my Bible. Um, you know, I allow sin to creep back into my life. Um, and there's a difference. And so if you're a Christian today, you've gotten saved and you think that's all there is, you really are missing the boat on what the Christian life is. And as Pastor Strobel said, it's anything but boring. It's not boring. There's plenty Amen. plenty for each of us to do. Um, so thanks again, Pastor Strobel. It was, it was great. Could I add just one one last one more thing, and and just I was thinking of it just as you guys were talking here at the end, but you know Pastor Strobel talked about a false peace, and uh, with the drug culture that we have today, a lot of people are taking drugs to uh, escape from their troubles and their problems, and as you know, some of us that have dabbled in that in past life and stuff like this realize that it can give a certain amount of relief 
uh, maybe I, that's a better word than peace, when you start taking those drugs, but the drugs, if you continue to use them to try to have that same effect, turn out to be a heavy burden that that is counterproductive to that, and it intensifies the fear and the trouble and the turmoil and the angst that you have. Mm-hmm. And thinking, you know, trying to take something that you think is going to give you peace turns out to be uh, worse than than what you thought it was, and and so. Uh, just to reify, re, reassert the fact that that it's through the Lord and salvation and all the things that Brother Strobel talked about that you have that peace and and I think that needs to be said because there might be someone, uh, not all Christians listen uh, to this thing and sometimes we will get some lost people there that might be struggling with drugs and thinking that that drugs are the escape. And they're not the escape. Uh, the, the one that gives you the victory and gives you the peace is the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Amen. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Or, or, or alcohol, good. too. Yep. I know Same that thing. many folks, that, people I used to know that uh, used alcohol, especially when they had to go into social situations to give them some sort of comfort and peace. And mm-hmm. ultimately, it uh, causes great harm. All right. That's right. Well, thanks again. So uh, just to reiterate also, That's in the Bible. You can email us at thatsinthebible at gmail.com. If perhaps you have a question or something else that you'd like to hear us talk about or take a look at as found in the Bible, give us an email. Send us an email at thatsinthebible at gmail.com. And we do have a phone line that if you'd just rather call and leave a message, that's 716-584-1611. So I'd encourage you to do that as we approach our 100th episode coming up here lord willing rather soon we'll be talking more about those things as we go along but guys thanks again for joining us today i know that each one of you pastor strobel pastor steve pastor matt that you all have things that you could have been doing that uh, you gave up your time to do this podcast today so lord bless you and thanks for doing that amen all right, guys, anything else? If not, we'll, uh, we'll listen to the uh, quartet here as we, as we fade out. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast. To leave a comment or to ask a question, visit our website at thatsinthebible.com or email us at 
That's in the Bible at gmail.com or call our listener feedback voicemail at 716-584-1611. Again, that's 716-584-1611. As always, thanks for listening and press on.